Jason. It's time for the Hammer Down Show with Jared Jesselitis. Oh, yes. And what was that beginning, middle, and end part again? Streaming online at 1017thehammer.com. All right, sounds good. Let's do this. Uh, but right now, let's go and get started with Need to Know News. Here's your Need to Know News. All right, some breaking news out of Chicago here. Justin Fields will get shut down for Sunday's finale against the Vikings, which means he will miss a shot at breaking the NFL's QB single-season rushing record. Nate Peterman's going to get the uh, start. Fields finishes... His second season, 1,143 yards rushing. That's 63 shy of the record of 12.06 set by Lamar Jackson in 2019 during his MVP season. Fields, uh, after the uh, loss in Detroit, was complaining that his hip was sore. MRA confirmed a strain, so the team's medical staff said, eh, better not. Records are cool. Long-term health and, you know, actually being able to run is even better. Uh, DeMar Hamlin still remains in the ICU in critical condition with signs of improvement uh, from uh, overnight and yesterday. He's expected to remain under intensive care as health care team continues to monitor and treat him, say the Bills. Spokesman for the Hamlin family also spoke of promising readings while giving an update uh, Wednesday. Apparently he went from using 100% of the hospital oxygen to 50%, so they're... uh, I mean, there's some promising signs there, as they uh, pointed out. It's going to be a while, but wish him the best of recovery here. Still scary situation. Not out of the woods just yet. Looking better, though. Meanwhile, NFL Executive Vice President Jeff Miller said on a conference call today that there are, quote, ongoing conversations with league officials and the Bills and Bengals about how to proceed. Miller said the league knows that a decision has to be made in the coming days, given the fact that they're in the final week of the regular season. A lot of options out there, including just not playing the game. Maybe even moving week 18 back. Um, and then eating into that uh, that bye week that was between the uh, conference championship games and the Super Bowl. We know one thing's for sure, the Super Bowl's not moving. But the playoffs in Week 18, that could all get pushed back, theoretically. Or they just not play it. Uh, more NFL news. David Blau will get another start at quarterback for the Cardinals, although no DeAndre Hopkins for him. He is done uh, with a knee injury. Cardinals, uh, Cliff Kingsbury made the announcement that he'll start against the 49ers, a formidable offense. Uh, but, hey, if Stidham can come in. And uh, do what uh, he did against him. Why not Blau? Girls high school hoops action from yesterday. West Lafayette 69, Frankfurt 9. 9. Nice work, ladies. 
Tonight, Harrison, they'll host Zionsville and May Gymnasium, 7.30. On the boys' side, Jeff falls at home 64-41 to to Fishers. Western beats Central Catholic 51-44. to It may be the most reliable bet in sports right now, fading the Blackhawks. It paid off again last night with a 4-1 final against Tampa Bay. Hawks actually led this one 1-0 thanks to a Seth Jones power play goal in the first. Tampa is too good, though. They have three wins now in their last 25 games Do the Blackhawks. Of those 22 losses, 19 of them have been by multiple goals. They're going to get a better matchup against a bad Arizona team on Friday at home. But still, the puck line hitting in 19 of the last 25 games if you fade them. That's an unheard of rate. That's crazy. Whew. Big Ten hoops last night. Michigan State, they handled Nebraska 74-56. Uh, looked very much like their old selves up there in Breslin, Wisconsin. Very quiet in the Kohl Center last night. Extremely quiet. And as a result, Wisconsin holds on for a 63-60 win. Uh, just barely against a bad Minnesota team. Whew. Tonight. More Big Ten men's hoops. Penn State will head to Michigan. Illinois is up at Northwestern. Also tonight, Pacers at Philadelphia, six-and-a-half-point road dog. You might want to scoop that up. Joel Embiid is day-to-day, so he's listed as questionable for tonight. Uh, you got to believe if he is in, that uh, point uh, spread is going to uh, going change. But I would, I would argue that the six-and-a-half-point is factored in with him in the ball game. So uh, I think if you want to take the Pacers tonight, you better hurry up and take it now because uh, if Embiid is in, uh, that line will that line will shift, I think. Uh, or not in, right? You know what I mean. Uh, Pacers lost their only meeting 120-106. to 106. That was all the way back in October, though. James Harden was a rebound away from a triple-double in that one. Bulls, a five-and-a-half point dog at home to Brooklyn, who they beat back November 1st. They outscored the Nets 31-19 in that fourth quarter for that victory. There you go. That is today's need-to-know news. Best bets were not too bad yesterday. Man, that half point got us on the Wisconsin first half. Uh, they led by six. We needed six and a half. That was a bummer. But thankfully, our friends, the Chicago Blackhawks, come through for us on the puck line. And uh, they uh, they cashed that one. Uh, Marquette also a big winner for us. Last night as well. You love to see it. We're in the green last night. Let's see what we can do tonight. Uh, our good friends over at DraftKings, by the way, do have some boosts for you that you want to check out, including a no-sweat bet for you tonight in the NBA. You can get a uh, no-sweat bet. Get it back if you lose. All you got to do is opt-in and place any NBA bet on any NBA game. If you're qualifying bet, after opting in loses, they will credit you back with a bonus bet up to $10. That's single bets. That's your same-game parlays. Uh, and traditional parlays where all legs are NBA. So there you go. I was trying to cook up a, um, a, a Pacers one for you, but... Again, they don't know if Embiid is going to be playing. He, he averages 30 points against the Pacers. He's also hit at least one three-pointer in six straight against the Blue and Gold. But as of right now, uh, props aren't being offered on him because uh, he is listed as uh, questionable for this one. So um, 
you know, if that's the case, if he doesn't play, uh, obviously Harden in the points total is the play. He's listed at 22 and a half right now. Um, maybe not the best area to target for him. He's got an over under of 10 and a half assists in this one, and that's in plus money. He has 39 assists in his last three games, so he's averaging 13 per game uh, against the uh, Pacers. Again, a lot of this stuff goes out the door, though, if B does not play. Halliburton, uh, we can target him tonight. I like him in the points total. He's at 18 and a half this evening. Uh, he has uh, topped that in his last four meetings against Philadelphia. He's had at least 19 in his last four meetings against Philly. So uh, that is a reliable leg for me here tonight. Minus 125 is a, is a very good leg for you here. Or you can just play that one straight up. It is up to you. That's the way that I want to go. It is not an intriguing NHL slate tonight. I'm not a big fan of anything that I see in that one. I just... It's either really, really one-sided or it's just kind of, uh, there's only three games tonight. That's not great for you. Over in college basketball, I'll admit I have not had a whole lot of time to uh, scour these ones or or look too much into it. Penn State and Michigan tonight feels like, uh, just off the top of my head, it's an over-under of 141. And my gut feels like that's, that's an over, right? And Penn State has just been so good from three that you wonder if that's not the play. Michigan, uh, this is the number six and number seven offense. 76 points and 75.7 points per game. Penn State leads the entire Big Ten in threes. Michigan 10th in defending the three. Michigan 6th. Shooting 34% from three. Yeah, I got a feeling there's going to be... There's going to be some scoring there tonight. One thing that Penn State doesn't do, for as good as they are, they are a... They're not a very good rebounding team. Them in Wisconsin, surprisingly bad at rebounding. Michigan's down there, too, in 11th. When I saw that, that kind of that surprised me a little bit. But still, point remains: uh, Penn State and Michigan still top half in shooting, um, and uh, neither one of them are stalwarts in uh, in defending the shot. So, one forty one seems a little bit high, but I think both these teams can you know get you into the seventies, right? So go ahead and put me down for the over on Penn State and Michigan. I don't know what to ex- I don't really want to touch Northwestern in Illinois. You know I've been on that Northwestern can be a good defensive team. They struggle with teams that are good uh in the interior that have size. And that's what worries me tonight. So I just don't know. This is weird how they match up with Illinois. I keep on telling you, somebody's going to go in there that is good offensively and only come out with like 55 points and wonder how they lost in Evanston. And Illinois, for all of its inconsistencies, could easily, easily 
be that team. They shoot 46% Northwestern, best in the conference, uh, limiting opponents to 36% shooting. The one place they do not do well is defending the three-point line, but Illinois isn't exactly great at that either. They're shooting 33%. That's dead center in the Big Ten. That's the real weakness for them. I don't want to touch that game. Because I don't know what Illinois team I'm going to get. They're all over the place. Yeah, I know they got the talent. I know they can do some real damage. But how many times have I watched them play where I say, all right, they should have it here. And then it just, it's silly mistakes. It's turnovers. What am I going to do with these guys? So yeah, I'm I'm off on that game. I'd much rather take the over in Penn State and Michigan than mess around with uh with the Illini. Yeah, they look great against Bethune Cookman in the shake off the rust game, but Bethune Cookman's terrible. They should never have lost that Missouri game. You know, the Penn State game's a great example at home, losing by 15. And they turn around, they beat like Texas. It, it, it makes no, they, they make literally zero sense to me. Zero sense. Now, it may get to the end of the month and then they start looking like everybody thought they would, but I'm not ready to jump on that bandwagon right now. All right, hang tight. When we come back, Derek Schultz is going to join us next. Let's talk these Colts and what the future holds for them. That's coming up next. This is the Hammer Down Show. 1017 The Hammer. 1017. Welcome back. This is the Hammer Down Show. 1017 The Hammer and 1017thehammer.com. Well, we're going to go over to the Blue Fox Eating Cooling Hammerhead Hotline, Derek Schultz, the uh, very popular uh, Queer and Schultz show, and uh, now uh, technically a Boilermaker, too, which I haven't had a good chance to publicly welcome you into the fold-up here as uh, you got yourself a, a new little gig. Uh, what's it like being a Boilermaker now? Yeah, it's great. You know, I, I get to send all my uh, former IU roommates and friends pictures of me in Purdue polos and work gear. <laughs> so that's, that's actually been, and say us and we, so that's actually been the most fun part. No, um, you know, in, in all honesty, uh, it's it's been it's been great. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. It is a little bit weird given who I was in a past life and maybe some of the teams that I may have rooted for um, back when I was a, a kid and in my youth. But um, everyone has been so welcoming and uh, and very friendly and cool, and um, it's a great team to be a part of. So I'm 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 really excited about kind of making this shift, and um, and it's been great so far. About a month into it now. Well, congratulations, man! It's great to have you up here. Uh, l- let's talk a little bit. The, the reason I had you on here today was uh, it's been a minute since we've been able to talk about the uh, Indianapolis Colts. I mean, it's just. You go back, uh, what, a month and a half ago, there's the big press conference on 56. We're in this quartile, and, and this is for the long haul, and and you know, Bill Cowher needs to shut his mouth. We beat the Raiders, and since then, it has just been a downward spiral. Um, I, where where do you start at with this team? I, I mean, were you on board with the Jeff Saturday hiring and uh, – just, just kind of go back to that press conference here and tell me what your thoughts were uh, when uh, Jim Irsay makes this decision. Yeah, it was the lowest point of a season full of low points. I mean, really, that press conference was bluntly, it was an embarrassment. Um, it was an owner who was arrogantly kind of doubling down on a bad and really, you know, 
not no offense to Jeff Saturday, a, a laughable decision um, when it came to hiring an interim coach and telling us about how great the Colts used to be under his watch when no one cares. You know, no one cares what the Colts were in 2009. No one cares what they were in 2005. Um, what they care about is where, where the Colts are in 2023 and, and where they're going in 24 and 25 and, and 26. And um, I thought it was just really tone deaf and um, angry. I, you know, it, it, Jim Irsay is a, a, is a guy with a big heart um, and is a very liked figure here in Indianapolis. And yeah. to see him um, be as arrogant as he was and be as defensive as he was, I, I thought, you know, it really put Jeff Saturday in a bad light because here's, here's Jeff one of the moments of his life, right? He gets to be an NFL head coach and he's not really qualified to do that. He has no relevant experience to do that. And uh, I think it really kind of overshadowed the, and, and really ruined the tone of his entire introductory press conference. But, you know, what, what I didn't know then, Jared, and, and that we know now is that I, I didn't know things could get worse. Like, I know the Colts were 3-5-1 and one when that happened, and that record suggests that that's just a mediocre team. That was a bad football team. You know, first eight weeks, nine weeks of the season, that was a bad football team. It's worse. Um, this isn't even a competitive football team. Um, I think pound for pound, this might be the worst team in the league. I guess we'll find out on Sunday because they're facing the other worst team in the league in Houston, at least from a record standpoint. But this has been the least enjoyable, least watchable Colts team since I've been here. Uh, and I, I started kind of being around the team right at the peak of the Peyton era in 2005. Um, this is worse than 2011. Because at least in 2011, fans knew what they were signing up for. This was supposed to be a team that was going to contend all chips in, right, for the, for the division at the very least and make the playoffs and take the next step forward. Instead, it has just sort of the entire house has kind of crumbled to the ground, and now they're going to have to figure out how to glue these pieces back together. Well, are they going to glue it back together with a uh, new GM? Obviously, there's got to be a new head coach. I mean, I know Jeff Saturday has said he's having a blast uh, right now, which just kind of seems laughable. But, I mean, what can you really say when they ask you about this kind of stuff? Uh, I know Jim Irsay has said that uh, for lack of better options, he, he's going to bring back Bauer, which just seems like a bizarre thing to say here. I, I don't trust the man right now when he says these type of things. Is there a new GM in the future here for the Indianapolis Colts, in your opinion? I mean, I don't think you could take Jim Irsay's words at face value because he gave Frank Reich a vote of confidence, and then eight days later, he fired him. So what he says about Chris Ballard, it's hard for me to just genuinely accept this fact. Uh, I do think that that's on the – I think everything's on the table, Jared. <laughs> it's Jim Irsay, right? He's, he's the ultimate wild card, and, and he wants to – he wants to win. So that, that's a good thing. That's always been his number one attribute. But what I'm worried about is that I think Jim Irsay wants to prove everybody wrong. And if you're in your feelings that much and you let your ego get in the way of your intellect and your and, and that clouds your process, then that's a really bad place for the franchise to be. So I think there's a scenario actually where Ballard and Saturday return. And obviously that would be a, a total PR disaster and the fans would go crazy, particularly with Saturday. At least there is I'm, – I'm not one of these people. I, I think the Colts need a, a reset as far as head coach, general manager, and quarterback. At least there is an argument to retaining Chris Ballard. I'm not going to argue for it. You can make that argument. There is no argument to bringing back Jeff Saturday's head coach. He's looked completely in over his head. And, and this is a, a team that requires somebody to come in and fix a lot of things, not learn on the job. And Jeff Saturday is still even next year, even with eight games under his belt, presuming he returns, would be learning on the job. And I, I just don't think that you want that moving forward here with the Colts. Um, Saturday entered an impossible situation. 
and but I, I think that's absolutely 100% fair to say. I think it's also fair that things have gotten worse since he took over. This is a, a worse football team than when Jeff Saturday inherited it. Can we give him a little bit of slack, though? Because, I mean, half the coaching staff has essentially been fired before he even walked into the door. Um, Parks Frazier, great, great story and all, but, I mean, come on. I, I don't know that he's the... He's not qualified to run the offense, really. Am I right? I mean, uh, learning under Frank Wright is great, but you just don't get the, the reins to an NFL offense handed to you. That 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 seems preposterous to me. So wh- while I want to you know, put a lot of this on Jeff Saturday, it's not like he has the support staff around him for him to be able to do a whole lot, right? Again, it is an impossible situation to be put into, for sure. But, Jared, I'm just going off what the owner said. That move was made, you know, if fans are saying, well, this is, this is what Ursay wanted. He wanted to tank out. So just put Saturday in it's a loss. He's no, that's not what Jim Ursay said. Jim Ursay put Jeff Saturday in charge because he thought it was going to change the season around. He had never fired any coach in the middle of the year before. The reason that he chose to do that with Frank Reich is because he clearly thought that the season was still salvageable. Um, so I'm just going on what the, the, the bill of goods that the owner was trying to sell me, which is that we're putting Jeff Saturday in because, A, he's ready to do this right now. Just trust me, bro. I mean, that, <laughs> that's essentially what it is. There's no experience. There's no resume for Saturday to go on. This was an unprecedented situation with, with no major college or pro coaching experience. And, two, because I, I think he's going to give this team a spark. I think Frank Reich has lost the team. And, and really outside of a, a dead cat bounce against a, a horrid Raiders team in his first game, uh, he hasn't provided that at all. Uh, you know, the, the team fought pretty hard, I guess, in the, in the follow-up game. They, they took the Eagles down to the wire, a, a good Philly team. But really ever since then, it's just been a, a, it's been a total collapse. Do the Indianapolis Colts make the same mistake they've made for the last several seasons – Go out and uh, take a, uh, let's say, a Derek Carr who uh, seems to be coming available, or do they finally buckle down and try to find the future in the draft this year? No, you, you got to take a swing now. Uh, you, you can't just uh, you can't just stand in the batter's box year after year and be and be afraid to step in and see a couple of pitches. Um, even if it's a Zach Wilson type miss, you get into the box and you swing again. So the, the Colts can't wait along, uh, can't wait around any longer. No more veteran band-aids, no more limited, you know, hey, Derek Carr still has this left. I'm not worried about that. Um, take a swing at one of the top quarterbacks. I have no idea who it's going to be. Young, Stroud, Levis, um, maybe the Richardson kid out of Florida. They're going to have a crack at at least one of those guys, if not multiple of those guys, um, because I'm a, they're going to pick fifth or sixth, essentially, depending on what. Sunday's result is going to be, but I, I think that even Jim Irsay knows that the time is now for them to select the quarterback and, and, and go ahead and move on with it. But, but again, Jared, I mean, you know, I feel like we could talk about this for two hours instead of in a 10 minute window. This puts the Chris Ballard situation in, in a different sphere, because if you retain Ballard and then you have a rookie quarterback, what happens if the Colts go six and 11 next year? Ballard comes back again. You give him an eighth year. Or you fire him, and then you bring on a, a – you have a head coach and a quarterback who the new GM didn't pick. It, it, it's just a really, really bad and messy situation right now for the Colts. 
That that's kind of my argument too with the Jim uh, Harbaugh rumors. Uh, I know he said he's staying. I, I heard there's uh, been talk over with the uh, Panthers, but if I'm Jim Harbaugh, I say, why do I want to come to Indianapolis? I don't even know who the GM is going to be this year, next year. Uh, I got to find a new quarterback in the draft. I got a lot to repair here. This is uh, this quickly became a project, and I don't know if he's the guy that's uh, necessarily right for rebuilding this entire thing. I mean, you got to come in on a short window, find that quarterback. Lord knows who the GM's going to be. You've got an owner that's proven to be a real wild card. Uh, he doesn't seem like a guy that's uh, up for that kind of instability. Yeah, and if I'm Harbaugh, I want some control. Um, and if if Jim Irsay is going to get in my way, then I don't want to take that job. I don't want a meddling owner. Um, I want to have some control over what I'm doing. Um, and, and there appear to be other vacancies like Denver that would give him some of that control. But if you're looking at the landscape right now, um, if Harbaugh really wants to go, this is a bad job market to go into <laughs> because Denver's situation with that Russell Wilson contract and all the draft capital that they burned on that, the Colts' messy situation. Uh, I, I don't know the Panthers' situation as well, but obviously it's not as good one um, with the quarterback carousel that they've had there, kind of like Denver and, and like Indy. Um, Jim Harbaugh is going to have to really, really want to leave Michigan and, and leave college football uh, to take one of these jobs because regardless of what it's going to be, that there is no kind of turnkey situation for him. I, I think the emotional connection to Indianapolis helps. Uh, I, I'm not really aware of his relationship with Jim Mercy. I'm, I'm assuming that it's pretty good. He's in the ring of honor, for God's sake, uh, having only played here three seasons and then he's still a well-liked figure among fans. But um, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out because I, I think Harbaugh walks through the table with a lot of leverage um, in that situation. Derek Schultz, again, uh, the legendary, uh, one half of the legendary query in Schultz, uh, which you can still check out, and uh, he's now a Boilermaker, too, so we love him even more. Derek, hey, it's always a pleasure talking some indie sports with you, my friend. Uh, thanks so much for the time. Same, buddy. Happy New Year. And welcome back to the Hammer Down Show, 1017 The Hammer, 1017TheHammer.com. Blue Fox Eating Cooling text line's always open to you at 765 447 4080 at 765 447 4080. Kind of hard to believe, but uh, there there is no more no more Big Ten football. We're done for the season. And with that um, comes some finger pointing that there's not. I mean, two teams in the in the college football playoff. Neither one of those winning. Our good buddy old Paul Feinbaum down there pointing the finger at uh, our commissioner. So I was reading the article on on three because I, I don't have time to take in a Paul, uh, but, you know, he has it out for the Big Ten because he is an SEC lapdog. He is a, uh, a guy that uh, wants to try to belittle whatever competition he can to his beloved conference, and that's what he's done here in, uh, in, in Kevin Warren. Doesn't matter because your two best teams lost. I don't care how they lost. They still lost. And the fact that your commissioner, Greg, is interviewing at Chicago Bears is all you need to know about the Big Ten. <laughs> what in the world is Kevin Warren talking with the Bears have to do with the success of Michigan or Ohio State in the college football playoff? Like him showing up is going to make a difference in any way, shape, or form in either of those games. He's not on the field. He ain't playing. He ain't a coach. 
I, I know, Paul's just looking for the pickings, and I get that. But we talked about this last week. If he's going to go in and interview for the Chicago Bears, that, that's fine to me. I don't have a problem with that. I understand why Chicago wants him. He was a great business end of the Vikings. He spearheaded the stadium deal. And uh, have you seen that place in Minnesota they built? Gorgeous. It worked out well for them. It's something the Bears want to do. And to have his expertise certainly would pique the interest. We constantly go over this kind of stuff. If you are at a job and you love it and you can be there for, look, I've been here in this town for 17, 18 years now. If somebody calls me up and talks about a potential opening, I love it here. Doesn't mean I'm not going to at least listen. Not going to see what they offer. There's a hometown discount, but man, if there's something to better your family, there's something to better your family. It's not a fault for doing any of this, but it's just strange that it's there, there's such a push by a man of his nature who seems so obsessed with Jim Harbaugh and the Big Ten and trying to bring it down as much as it can and elevate the SEC. It's just it's a weird argument. Like Kevin Warren has literally zero percent responsibility in anything in the on field products, I think, uh, of the uh, Big Ten in bowl season. This is like literally the last person I would probably blame. Still, a lot of finger pointing going around in a lot of different ways here. Uh, Reese's Senior Bowl today uh, tweeted out a picture that um, Payne Durham had accepted an invite to play. He is uh, one of two Purdue players. Charlie Jones also going to play in this. And I saw some fans took some offense to it. Well, hold on a second. You're going to sit out the Citrus Bowl because you don't want to get hurt for your pro stuff. Okay, maybe I've made peace with that. But now you're going to go out and play in this game instead? Not going to play with your team, but you'll play with these guys instead? Reese's Bowl's a little bit different. First off, let me say I understand your sentiment about that. I, I get that, and I understand a little bit of that frustration. But this is a whole bowl, you know, week. You're practicing around a lot of NFL personnel. You're practicing against some good competition. And these are all guys that are, you know, they're not first, second, maybe even some, maybe some of them are third round guys. But these are guys that come in late in the process a little bit as a name. Maybe they're on some watch list and everything like that. But these are fourth, fifth, sixth round guys that are looking to make a name for themselves, looking to get in front of those and, and you know, they, they have the uh, combine, which Payne is going to. They'll have the pro day. But this is a, a different opportunity to practice and, and show folks how you practice uh, in the NFL. So it's a little bit different uh, from an exposure standpoint. I 100% understand. Charlie playing in it is, he's had the year, right? And so they'll just want to make sure that he's not just some kind of system guy. They want to see a little bit more out of him. But it's weird a guy that's, you know, talked about as one of the best receivers in the Big Ten is is doing this. Uh, but, you know, that's what he feels is best for them. I, I support both these guys. I understand that. You know, I don't have as big a problem with the opt-outs. You know, we had Tom on, you know. 
And Tom said, heck, you could probably pay me 50. It's probably, you know, it's it's not worth it to play in the bowl game for most of these guys. I, I understand that. But I also understand your frustration as a fan that uh, you would still like to see them play to, to see that commitment. But this is their futures. They only get one shot at this. And they'll do everything they can to get it and to, to get it right. I mean, you can't blame them for it. You really can't. I get your frustration as a fan. You want to see Purdue football go out there and win. You want to see him beat LSU. And to do that, you needed all these guys and then maybe a little luck even after that. But these guys are going on to their futures. You'd like to see them succeed in that. Because when you put Boilermakers in the NFL, good Boilermakers, into the NFL, that feeds back into the system. Make no mistake about it. Purdue could use some more brand-name guys in the NFL. It has been a minute. If I go and ask people who are not familiar with Purdue to name a famous Purdue football player, you get Drew Brees, and that is about it. Even national pundits can't get some of the best of the cradle of quarterbacks. And guys that cover the sports for decades. That stuff feeds back to the university. Make no mistake about it. Best of luck to Charlie. Best of luck to Payne. They're doing what they feel is right by them. To be quite honest, they don't owe us as fans anything. And I'm sure a majority of their teammates understand what they're doing here. For those of you that are clamoring, what about the team? What about the team? We aren't on the team. Why don't we let the team decide whether or not they're cool with that? If they're all uncool with it, maybe you can be uncool with it. That's fair, right? Nobody would stand in front of you trying to get yourself a better job here or making the best first impression in an interview, which is just what they're doing here. I think you just have to think of it like this. They're not like you and I. You got I'm trying to correlate this for you. Please don't get upset with these young men. They have put in their time. They have served Purdue well. They have played for you. They have played their heart out for you. Now's the time for them to start thinking about their future. You should support them in the same way uh, you supported them as they were Boilermakers. We'll take our final break. We'll come back. Things we missed and wrap up the Hammer Down Show next on one. Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017TheHammer.com. Tomorrow, we'll get you ready for that Ohio State game, Purdue. And hey, I haven't got some Purdue basketball tickets for you to win tomorrow, so uh, don't miss out. We'll have a great one. Uh, on the show starting at 3 o'clock tomorrow. Let's get you to things we may have missed. This is the biggest travesty in college sports of the year. SoFi Stadium is hosting the College Football National Championship on Monday. If you get a parking pass for SoFi Stadium, not only is it $75, which blows my mind, a ginormous... Didn't Kroenke build this all with his own money, though? But it's just, it's such a weird thing to charge more money just to park someplace. And it just feels like a ripoff. But with that $75 permit, there is absolutely no tailgating allowed in any SoFi Stadium parking lot. Are you kidding me? College football and tailgating 
hand-in-hand synonymous. What are you going to do next? You going to tell Buffalo Bills fans not to be able to jump through tables? Sorry, not allowed to do it. This is a travesty. I mean, that is literally the part of the college football experience is the tailgate. And you're just going to take that away? I got to pay $75 to park there. I should be allowed to throw up a little bocce and have myself a hot dog. So ridiculous. So ridiculous. Why? You know why. So they can cram more cars in there and make more money off of you. I want to give you the room to tailgate. So ridiculous. SoFi Stadium should be banned from ever hosting this thing again. Dunzo. Donovan Mitchell dropped out 71 points for Cleveland the other night. And uh, was uh, laughing here because look at this. Surprise. Has to take a drug test this morning. Tweeted it out. I see football players do this all the time. They have a good round. They have a good game here. And uh, what happens? Well, they get the old random drug screen, right? And then they get all mad about it. Why? Of course you're going to get tested. You had a freak game. A freak game for you. I mean, if I'm a linebacker and I have, uh, we're week 18 and I've got maybe four sacks on the season and I go out and I have a five sack game, hold on a second. What the heck just happened? Of course you're the candidate. Of course you're the one they want to take a look at. If you're out here doing things that normal humans don't normally do, the first question is going to be, were you playing by the rules? I don't understand why they get so miffed by this, so shocked by it. If you had, I, I mean, if you were having to dull this stuff out, wouldn't you go for the top performers? That big gap, if I average five points a game and I drop 40, somebody's going to have some questions. You know, it, it makes the most sense in the world. I don't understand why they're so shocked and offended by it. When they finally get that. It's like if I, it's like if Justin feels through for like 550 yards, you'd go, okay, what's going on? That's not normal. Of course you're going to be the first ones to get the random test. Come on. Finally, uh. I, like uh, so many others here, I think, to cover the Big Ten, want to go ahead and tip my hat to Patrick McCaffrey, who uh, yesterday released a statement that he was going to step away from basketball, not related to his, uh, you know, past cancer um, diagnosis, but that he had been dealing with a lot of anxiety lately, that he's been having issues with it, and that he was going to step away to deal with that. Didn't know if it would be two games, three games. Once he feels like he has it under control and he's ready to go, he'll come back. Good for him. Great for him. Not everybody is in a position to be able to do that. Not everybody's brave enough to do something like that. Take care of your mentals. But good for him from stepping away and being able to do that. Um, look, Fran's not going to say no to that. 
But I would like to think that even if it wasn't a McCaffrey, that he would still do that for one of his players. I think it's great on the staff. The staff uh, clearly cares about their kids and letting him do that. I don't know what he needs to do. I don't know if he needs to break from... I don't know. But it's an extremely mature decision to be able to, in the middle of the Big Ten season, and let's face it, they're they're kind of teetering on the brink right now, to be able to walk away and say, hey, I have to work on me. This is a must for me. I'm sorry. I can't imagine how scary and hard that is. That's tough. Good on him. I applaud that decision. All right, that's going to do it for us here on the show. Again, tune in tomorrow as Purdue heads out to Ohio State, a big one on the road before they head out over the weekend to Philadelphia at the Palestra. I will have tickets for you to score for the next home game at Mackey as well. So make sure you tune in. We'll be back tomorrow for another round of the Hammer Down Show starting at 3 o'clock. And don't forget, today's show, we'll post it up on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Facebook. And you can go back and listen to uh, Derek Schultz's uh, interview as well. We'll see you back here tomorrow at 3 on 101.